Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from fatal feints to flashy finesse. And today we're talking about fighter subclasses, the Battlemaster and the Cavalier. Oh yeah. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. That was a mouthful of an intro. I know, it really was, wasn't it? <laughs> We're getting so, back to character creation. We are. Today is going to be a bit of a different kind of an episode. Uh, we have received many character building episode requests over the years, and we wanted to put together a series that is more geared towards players than DMs and something that will allow us to flex our creative muscles, if you will. Yeah, we love character building here. We do. Uh, I'm sure people, play, a lot of people play D&D love to character create. It's very, very fun. Your special guest, we're going to have your special guest Jake on eventually yeah. for some of these because he just does that shit all the time. It's fun. I mean, heck, I'm doing it over my birthday weekend with my girlfriend and my sister. We're just making characters That's cool. for a campaign later, but like... I'm excited about the character creation. <laughs> and uh, now you have an essentials kit to kind of help you guys right run, run I'm using through it that. As part of my book stand over. Yeah. Here. <laughs> so, so when you're character building generally, um, when when you're keeping, you're you're our DM for mm-hmm. Super Quest Saga. Yes. But so you're not character building on a sheet like you normally would no, be for, as I, a player, right? I definitely build more just NPCs and uh, monsters than I build character classes or anything like that. Totally. As a matter of fact, I've, I rarely even look at the classes or races anymore because, well, number one, you guys are in a space adventure with like a whole different set of like parameters. Homebrew? Yeah, a lot of homebrew. And uh, I, then again, I am the DM, so I'm not doing classes. So. Yeah, totally. Um, I Sometimes I do build like when it's a really important character, mm-hmm. I will stat it out on a sheet because I want very specific things. Like, I yeah, I could see that being useful. I've done it before, but I, I find myself, I do it less and less over the years. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's rare that I will do it, but I'm really happy to yeah. be back to the sheet today right. yes. for this episode. Yes. So in this new series, we're going to be taking a closer look at the various subclasses of the game. We're going to revisit the features and talk about them a bit more in depth. Uh, and we're going to each build a character of said subclasses and show what we would run if we tried out that subclass. Right. So I want to say that this is not going to be uh, an optimi- 
optimization guide series. This is a creative discussion of what can be done with the words as written when you introduce some creative spice. That's right. Um, the rule of cool is definitely more important to our builds than what technically does the most damage or has the highest DC. And to us as gamers, and just in general, gamers, we're yeah. more rule of cool. It's just the way we play. Yeah. And, yeah. and hopefully the series can serve as inspiration for players looking for ideas to roll something new and fun in their upcoming campaign or one shot. Yeah, anything you want to add to that before we dive into the Battle Master? No, I think that's it. If you want to optimize, there are lots of cool ways to do that. And on... there's lots of videos and guides to do it, too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, Here, right. I just want to show that, like, not all Battle Masters are the same. Like, I'm going to build a Battle Master, and it's going to be, you know, like, 80% similar. But, like, there's going to be some flavor changes, some, yeah. some little differences. And uh, I'm actually going to be building the Cavalier, and mm -hmm. I've built a Battle Master before, before, which is why I did that. So, mm -hmm. like, my build is, like, I'm going way off the rails. I'm not... I read the optimization guide. I'm going oh. way off the rails. Oh, gosh, I'm just okay. kind of kind of <laughs> I'm just kind of throwing a few ideas around. Right. But it's in the spirit of the game. I made a what I think is a cool character. Sure. So absolutely. let's get into it. All right. So um, it's been a long, 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 long time since we talked about the battle master. I believe it was episode four. We're like fighters in general specific. Right. Well, you know. Yeah. There's that too. But we did the fighters did have a second episode which was like a year or two ago. Or something. Yeah, because we you've yeah. had Xanathar's but guide and like I'm a talking bunch of November stuff. 2016. <laughs> 2016. We talked about the battle master. <laughs> so let's talk about the battle master again here in 2020. We're the dating ourselves right now. Right. Aged so hard. <laughs> I feel so like cheese. <laughs> Um, the Battlemaster is an archetype for the fighter class in D&D, any of which can be chosen when a player's character progresses to level 3. This is a subclass that flavors the fighter's combat abilities as tactical maneuvers of great skill and strategy. This kind of fighter uses their head as much as their strong arm, where this experience and knowledge comes from is up to the player. But some examples can be under the tutelage of a martial master whose techniques are only known by a select few, in specialized academic training with elite combat education, in the pits of a gladiatorial arena where guile is repaid with living another day, or simply self-taught from years of mercenary campaigns, hodgepodging together tips and tricks picked up from allies and enemies alike. Cool. So it's up to you how you became such a master, but you are a master. Yeah, I do like that. This reminds me very much of uh, Last Airbender. Uh, Sokka does oh, like Sokka, so yeah. book three spoilers. So Sokka gets like a, a master, a, yeah. a swordsman guy. Mm -hmm. He reminds me of the battle master a lot because of, like you have to that. use your strategy and tactile mm -hmm. fighting. He sounds like Keanu Reeves. The guy who voices him <laughs> is really good. <laughs> yeah, bro. Those are some great episodes. I'll I, check I, it, out. it is very things happen very fast in the Last Airbender. Yes, you know it's very unrealistic in a couple of ways, but yeah. that's okay. It's, it was it's, it's fiction. They were really good. Uh, yeah. Really good. Like if you're looking for that NPC to be your master, you know, in your backstory pages, that, right. that's a great place to look for inspiration. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Forgot his name. It's <laughs> a tear so, for that guy. Oh, indeed. So the fighter is a class commonly considered boring. In most editions, uh, a fighter's turn in battle is often summed up in two words. I attack. Yeah. The battle master is a subclass that gives fighters more to do on their turn with battle maneuvers that act more mechanically like spells and have a resource called superiority die. These maneuvers can do things like reposition characters on the battlefield, give an ally the advantage, distract an enemy, and much more. Okay. So Player's Handbook, page 73, uh, states this. Those who emulate the archetypal... Arch 
Archetype. 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 Archetypical. Archetypical. Yeah. Archetypical Battlemaster employ martial techniques passed down through the generations. To a Battlemaster, combat is an academic field, sometimes including subjects beyond battle, such as weaponsmithing or calligraphy. Not every fighter absorbs the lessons of history, theory, and artistry that are reflected in the Battlemaster archetype, but those who do are well-rounded fighters of great skill and knowledge. Cool. Let's get into the specific features that are picked up by the Battlemaster that other fighters don't get. Okay. So first is combat uh, superiority. When you choose this archetype at third level, you learn maneuvers that are fueled by special dice called superiority die. Um, they're, fueled, they're fueled by you being better than indeed, the other guy. Um, you get maneuvers. You learn three maneuvers of your choice, which are detailed under the maneuvers below. Many um, maneuvers enhance uh, an attack in some way. And that's true. Most of the maneuvers are you attack Plus, you get to do this cool other thing. Yeah, and you're rolling that extra die. Like you're basically looking at a list of of abilities because you can only can you you pick a certain number of them. You right? get three at first, and then you're gonna get two additional maneuvers at level seven, ten, and fifteen. So you can really like kind of like build your guy like custom. You yeah, know, definitely. The kind of flavor that in you the need. end you end up with nine maneuvers, and I think the list has like twelve or thirteen, something like that. We will. So in the first fighter episode. We didn't talk about every single maneuver. We kind of glossed over it. And this mm-hmm. one, I want to like, this maneuver does this, this maneuver does this, and, and we'll go forth. I'm going to yeah. try and not drag too slowly. But I'll give you guys my opinion on it as we'll read. So. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, the superiority dice and how they work. You have four superiority dice, which are D8s. A superiority die is expended when you use it. You regain all of your expanded, expended superiority dice when you finish a short or long rest. You gain another superiority dice at level 7 and more at 15th level. Um, the saving throw for your maneuvers is your DC. Uh, your DC is equal to eight plus your proficiency bonus plus your strength or dexterity mod. That's cool. Very fighter. So very much like uh, very fighter, but like also it is structured very much like a spell save. Yes, it's exactly like exactly a spell like save. Spell save, yeah. Um, also, when you choose this feature, you get the feature or this um, subclass, you get the feature student of war. You gain proficiency with one type of artisan's tools of your choice. Alchemist supplies, brewer supplies, calligrapher supplies, carpenter supplies, cartographer's tools, any type of creation or artwork thing. There's a whole bunch more. It's yeah. A long, long list. You get this. Basically, you could be a traveling drunk. Sure. You can tell <laughs> or a traveling uh, woodcarver or weaver or mechanic or tinker. Yeah. I um, think Magnus from the Adventure Zone had, was a woodcarver because of this feat. Because I think he was a battle master. He was a battle master. They were breaking the rules a little bit using yes, D6s and stuff. Yes, of course. <laughs> so... Uh, at level seven, you get know your enemy. Uh, if you spend at least one minute observing or interacting with another creature outside combat, you can learn certain information about its capabilities compared to your own. The DM tells you if the creature is your equal, superior, or inferior in regard to two of the following characteristics of your choice. Strength score, dexterity score, constitution score, armor class, current hit points, total class levels, fighter class levels you get the fucking data readout on this you guy do. you get you to do. know how many hits it'll and take it's because you are so experienced and you know what to look for so well that you could see you could sum up a person just by looking at yeah them. like a like you know real fighters they say like or even just in anime and stuff they could look at a guy or like throw one punch and know the strength of their right, opponent exactly, you know deep yeah. down i know they're <laughs> holding back but i know the well goes this deep <laughs> very cliche yes. so here's a reflavor option for you that okay. i just thought of yeah, is instead of like conning this guy out like super specific because w- what was it called again what was the feature called um the feature was know your enemy know your enemy yeah it could literally be like i know that guy Every time, <laughs> so <laughs> like dense. I know that guy, yeah. and I know how strong he is. Like for some reason, you know every bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I really like that idea. That's really funny. Like know your enemy. Yeah. Like take that know your enemy literally. Do you just know every fighter in the world? I mean, maybe kind of. I, I don't know, man. Like every time we run across, I can't think of them now. But when we run across them, it seems yeah, that way. It seems that way. Okay, He's so got ninety HP at level ten. You your combat superiority die improve from uh, D eight to D tens, and at eighteenth level uh, they turn into D twelves. Okay. At 15th level, you get a feature called Relentless. Uh, when you roll initiative and have no superior superiority dice remaining, you regain one superiority die, so you always have at least one. That's cool. Yes. Always good. And finally is the long list of maneuvers. Let me just count them real quick. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 6, 16. 16. You get total 9, but you have 16 to choose from. And so let's just go over these because we've never really done that before. So the first maneuver is Commander Strike. When you take an attack action on your turn, you can forego one of your attacks and use a bonus action to direct one of your companions to strike. When you do so, choose a friendly creature who can see or hear you and expend one superiority die. That creature can immediately use its reaction to make one weapon attack, adding the superiority die to the attack's damage roll. Cool. So this is you foregoing your attack and like making an opening for someone who deals better damage. Sweet. Um, I think the best case scenario in, in, in this would be a um, a rogue who hasn't gotten their sneak attack off yet. Ooh, that's cool. This, like you're getting up in there and creating the opening for yeah, the sneak attack. Yeah, exactly. I like that a exactly. lot. I would like this. I like this feature or I like this maneuver a lot. And it super reminds me of fourth edition Warlord. I think I would tweak it just slightly uh, where it wouldn't make the attacking player have to use the reaction. Because mm. I think that's where the idea of this maneuver kind of gains its strength. It's like, it's an extra attack from a source that normally wouldn't be able to. Right. And if that character is forced to use a reaction, well, now they don't have an opportunity attack. And it's like, you're already giving up a thing by giving up your superiority die. Mm -hmm. Why do you have to give that up and then make someone else give something else up? That's just my okay. two cents. But um, either way, I still really like it because it's fun. Cool. Um, next one is disarming attack. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can spend a superiority die to attempt to disarm the target, forcing it to drop one item of your choice that it's holding. You add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll, and the target must make a strength saving throw. On a failed save, it drops the object you choose, and the object lands at its feet. So this is great in two ways. If the enemy's holding something you're trying to get, you can make them drop it. Or if the enemy is holding a weapon, you can make them drop it and suddenly they're less dangerous, especially if you can take advantage quickly. If you want to intimidate like a monocle wearing politician and slap the monocle off of his face. <laughs> I would accept that. That's, <laughs> he's not technically holding the item, but I super love he's it. He's holding it with his like yeah, eye, I eye muscles. So. Fuck yeah, he is his <laughs> eye knuckles. I love it. <laughs> you slap it off his face and deal a D8 of damage. There we go. To his soul. To his fucking jaw. <laughs> or that too, yeah. Evasive footwork is the next one. When you move, you can expend one superiority die, rolling the die and adding the number you roll to your AC until you stop moving them. This is a great way for you to get from one place to the other without even thinking about opportunity attacks. Right. It's the it's the yeah. best way, and I learned this playing in Will's game, to get to the wizard in the back immediately. Oh, God, yeah. I remember <laughs> you guys did that in like the second session. That My was first character was yes. a battle master. I had that feat, you and did. I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to go to this guy. <laughs> yeah, you did. And it, it worked. It was great. Yeah, man. You fucking like... Uh, I mean, the barbarian died, but everything was good. You do like um, some Michael Jackson foot... <laughs> Sorry, just yeah. The barbarian did die. Uh, that wasn't died. my bad. No, well, 
maybe. Well, you weren't there to help him. I, I wasn't. You it, were I wasn't very back far there. away. I went. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So I basically do. Some, you abandoned like, your friends. Some stylish high decks, like Michael Jackson smooth footwork moves all mm. the way to the back, wizard. While my yeah. dude got eaten by glicks. Yeah, it's true. All right, Gricks and Gricks. dragged into the deep. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, fainting attack. Um, you can expend one superiority die and use a bonus action on your turn to faint, choosing one creature within five feet of you as your target. You have an advantage on your next attack roll against this creature, that creature this turn. Um, if that attack hits, add a superiority die to the attack's damage roll. Now, this is really cool if you, like, if you really need to get that last hit now because it's a do or die situation, it's only a bonus. A- well, I mean, yeah, it's only a bonus action that just gives you advantage for a turn. Um, I, I mean, when you're a fighter, you're really only bonus action. Your bonus action economy is like either your second attack. If you if you're not using. Well, it's either your second if attack wielding, if yeah. you're dual wielding or it's your second wind. Right. Sure. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see another. Bonus action thing like baked in other yeah. than this. So and that's, also, that's let me, good. You, so you have advantage on your next attack. Okay, so it's, it is specific about your next attack rule because if it was you have advantage until your next turn, it's like, well, guess where my action surge is going, but never mind. Yeah, <laughs> so this is cool because if you know this dude's HP mm-hmm. that you're fighting, yeah. and you're like, okay, well, Just we... Just looking at him. Yeah, we've got him, <laughs> we've got him phased down. Like, I can kill him next turn and mm-hmm. I can help, like, guarantee that. Right. That's That's cool. Yeah. The next one is goading attack. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend one superiority die to attempt to goad the target into attacking you. You add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll, and the target must make a wisdom saving throw. On a failed save, the target has disadvantage on all attack rolls against targets other than you till the end of your next turn. This is a great a great way to be like, you know what? I need tank, so this is an active way for me to tank better. Time to pull aggro. Let's yeah, go. exactly. And it's... A much more organic way of like pulling aggro than fourth edition did where it really worked very much like a video game um i still like that but this is cool i know i feel a certain way about abilities like this where mm-hmm. you could like feasibly try to use a skill to mm-hmm. do this with like uh persuasion or deception of some kind to like draw the enemy to you it feels <clears> like I shouldn't be trying to do this stuff if this feat exists. You know what I mean? Like, um, I should be using the feat. Like, or can I even do that this, other thing because I, the feat exists? <laughs> so I think that number one, you can always try and do that. I always uh, encourage like the role play version of doing stuff, mm-hmm. um, especially in the absence of stuff like this. Um, I think a lot of people never think to do those things or never uh, want to try and do those things because it feels yeah. like you're wasting a turn. And I can kind of see where that comes from. What's cool about this is. It is built into you doing the thing you're already doing anyways, because uh, it's when you hit a creature with a weapon attack. So you're not wasting a turn doing a skill check. You're right. actually attacking them. And then because you are so good at goading, you can also goad as you swing your sword. And uh, you add the superiority die that you expended to the attack rolls damage, meaning that you're not only are you doing what you normally do, doing, but you're doing it better because the superiority die added damage. Right. And it's all built in. This is so. like a mechanic. It's like a spell. I think this is actually pretty well designed. I don't think it, um, what's the word? Uh, makes the other thing you're talking about obsolete yeah the um, the other the other the skill thing is like y- there's a likelihood of like failure anyone there. can goad but yeah. this person goads as the attack real real good and yeah. has a this is like you cut more off their- difficult saving throw versus like a contest between like uh persuasion and- i think this is cool you can flavor it like i cut off your ear and now yeah. you like really want to fuck with me because right, i yeah. just did something exactly. dirty to you exactly or like cut off a finger or like mm-hmm. 
I don't know, to cut your belt off. That'd yeah. be hilarious. Yeah, yeah exactly. Something Good like that. Shit. Very Princess Bride. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so next one, lunging attack. When you make a melee weapon attack on your turn, you can expand one superiority die to increase your reach uh, for that attack by five feet. Uh, if you hit, you add the superiority die, superiority die to the attack's damage roll. Again, maybe you couldn't quite get to... I that When you're in heavy armor, this shit happens to you all the time. You'll always end up five feet away from the thing that you're trying to hit. And <laughs> yeah. It's fucking infuriating. That 25 well, feet, man. Well, guess what? You can lunge attack if it comes down to it. Totally. That's pretty cool. But in your role play, you have to make sure that you're actually doing lunges. I know yeah, I know lunges are hard, but yeah, like... Lunges are hard. <laughs> I did lunges last night in the gym. Hell yeah, I will. But, um, Hell yeah. Next one, maneuvering attack. That frazzer blue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was I was so inspired of our last recording. Um, maneuvering attack. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend one superiority die to maneuver one of your comrades into a more advantageous position. You add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll, and you choose a friendly creature who can see or hear you. The, attack, the creature can use this reaction to move up to half its speed without provoking opportunity attacks from the target. Of your attack. Man, that's really cool. Yeah. You can so get a wizard can, out of the fray. Exactly. You can extract people from a bad situation. Or you can put people, you can put the paladin where he needs to be. Or that, yeah. And I think uh, this is where when you're playing on a um, on a grid versus mm-hmm. theater. We tend to do theater of the mind, which I well, love. Well, the, in, in our theater of the mind exists the, the grid with the footage also, right? To a like, certain degree. Yeah. yeah to, it's way more vague. And obviously maneuvering attack would still be very effective. Mm-hmm. But the whole grid battle, like, I feel like the battle master really shines here because, like, every square really does count and matter. It does. And uh, stuff like this can be the difference between life and death. Yeah, you're turning it into a chessboard. Of, yeah, like, exactly. So if you're, but the in theater of the mind, it's like, well, he's surrounded. So it's obvious that I need to get him out. Mm-hmm. And you basically turn him into spaghetti. Right. Then, sure. <laughs> exactly. Fucking out of there. So menacing attack. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend one superiority die to attempt to frighten the target. You add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll, and the target must make a wisdom saving throw. On a failed save, it's frightened of you until the end of your next turn. So pretty. I, I like that scare one. scare the enemy. I it's had that point. one yeah. when I played. Um, that, was, that was cool. Induce right. fear. Right. And I a think, strike so crazy. <laughs> right. And I think there's a difference between making an intimidation check and intimidating someone and then the actual condition of being frightened. Yes, and that's there what this is. Does. You yeah. can intimidate somebody and they can be intimidated, but it's not going to necessarily make them run away. Exactly. Uh, what, what's a good, what's a good thing that exists in the world to compare this to? I, I always think of Link's spin attack. Like, uh, as like a very frightening, like it has like a pushback mm-hmm. and like, especially in, in like Breath of the Wild, you can hit like multiple enemies yeah. and like some dude spinning in a fucking 360 with his sword out is scary oh, in yeah, a way. Very, very or like yelling. So. Yeah. Like, That's I don't his know. menacing attack. The two handed, like, like, I don't know. What's, what's a cool, can what? you think of anybody that think does like a, a, me- a menacing a, an attack? attack so good that it scares the shit out of somebody? Um, Hmm. Not off the top of my head. I'm sure I do, but I, I can't bring it up to mind now. We'll think about it later. Yeah, sure. The next one is parry. When another creature damages you with a melee attack, you can use a reaction to expend one superiority die to reduce the damage by the number you roll on your superiority die plus your dexterity modifier. Now, this one's specific about the dex mod. Um, so this is about being quick. So for a light weapon dexterity fighter, you're going to want parry. It's going to yeah. mitigate uh, damage. And... You know, as the fighter, you're on the front lines. Any damage you can mitigate, any damage you don't have to make your healer heal, the better. Yeah. Are you, I think we usually are like, if you want to switch these 
maneuvers out because I feel like parry is really good early game and it weakens over time as hits sure. get bigger and bigger. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, you can switch out maneuvers as, as you keep going. Yeah, as you level, you can kind of like change stuff right. out. I highly recommend that one at yeah. the early levels I because negating seven points of damage or whatever is, is fucking almost pro. Nothing, yeah. Well, uh, late, well later, later on it's later bad, on but early on it's good. And I think that is a common criticism about the Battlemaster about like the maneuvers don't um, they don't scale appropriately. They don't scale all that well. Yeah. And but you know what? If that's true, I've never taken a Battlemaster up into the higher levels. But if it's true, um, the DM has the power to help you scale that up. And I think if yeah. it, if it truly is scaling that poorly, if it's like this isn't cool, it should scale better. Make it scale better. Yeah. Just add another die, like when yeah. it seems right. Right. Exactly. Uh, next is precision attack. When you make an, a weapon attack roll against a creature, you can expend one superiority die to add it to the roll. You can use this maneuver before or after making the attack roll, but before any effects of the attack are applied. Um, this is this is good if you really don't want to use that bonus action on, uh, what was that other attack called? It was uh, faint attack, fainting mm, that's attack. That's right. Because that one could cost a bonus action, but gives you advantage. Mm -hmm. And I think I feel I feel like advantage is usually better than just like a flat bonus. Yeah, um, that's just me. But precision attack doesn't uh, make you need to use up a bonus action. So if you really need that bonus action, precision attack's a bit better than fainting attack. I like it. So. You fucking Biakugan. I, I do like that about the Battlemaster. And you see this with the Paladin too, or at least my experience with the Paladin is those these two classes really make you think about um, action economy and yes. how to use each of your different little actions the best, most optimal way. It's the most important thing because if you're not using those abilities, you know, if you're wasting that pool of resources and mm -hmm. doing non-optimal stuff or suboptimal stuff, hey. it... It can be the difference between life and death. Yeah. What are you yeah. doing? Right. What are you doing? <laughs> so um, next one, we're almost done here. We got five left. What is it? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five. Pushing attack. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend a superiority die to attempt to drive the target back. You add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll, and if the target is large or smaller, it must make a strength saving throw. On a failed save, you can push the target up to 15 feet away from you, which is pretty far. Mm -hmm. That's off the cliff. That's into the lava. That's over the bridge. It That's can into be. the water. Yeah, it's, it it's, it's from one place to a place the thing doesn't want to be a lot of the time. So I feel like pushing attack is a really good one. A fucking drop kick. Yeah, exactly. Or and like, you know what? Like high level monsters tend to be really strong, but even high level wizards don't aren't that strong. And a strength saving throw might really fuck them up. Yeah. yeah. The right guy getting pushed is. Yeah. You know, even if you maybe your save is super high too. See, that's something yeah. that scales as you levels. Right. That save that is going to go up. Yeah, it's you get true. it up to like seventeen, eighteen, right? Yeah, I think yeah, because what eight plus your proficiency bonus? Well, let's just say like plus four. So we're already at a twelve, and let's see, you have maxed out twenty, so that's seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. Um, next one is rally. On your turn, you can use a bonus action to expend one superiority die to bolster the resolve of one of your companions. When you do so, choose a friendly creature who can see or hear you. That creature gains temporary hit points equal to the superiority die roll plus your charisma modifier. This is another really cool one, minus the charisma mod part, even though that flavor is nice. So this reminds me of the Warlord, where you can kind of like heal people just by being a super dope general which yeah. makes no sense but it's so mechanically cool i love it it's almost like morale based it's like a morale yeah, base yeah. right and like that's the thing about hp is like it doesn't just encompass physical damage it encompasses psychic damage morale damage all that other stuff i'm a huge proponent of morale in the real world so yeah. in my fantasy world it's going to be meaningful also. definitely now again it being tied to charisma modifier sucks because most fighters are going to have real low charisma or at most like a plus one you know see i don't i don't I don't 
like to build my fighters with low charisma. Right. I think my fighter should be a diplomat most of the sure, time. Sure. But like if you are pumping charisma as a fighter, if you got a 16 of charisma, you are suffering in very important combat stats. Yeah. No matter what you do. Yeah. I, I like charisma to be like kind of. Yeah. Not. So, that's so like, not where I'm say, ever going to dump. Yeah. Pretty let, much. Yeah. But let's say you didn't dump charisma and you have a 12 which is high for a fighter because mm-hmm. you don't usually need it. In this case, it's only a plus one to this die roll, and that does kind of suck. I mean, like, it, for, I, when I say this, I mean for the, for the Battlemaster fighter, not for not for every fighter because mm-hmm. you're going to want, like, chumpy, like, nasty dudes. Right. But so, for the, the educated, you know, I'm superior. Like, right. they're called superiority dice. Like, you're going to want to be able to talk to people and be educated. So, and, in 4th edition... Um, Fourth edition did a really good job of like designating primary, secondary, and tertiary stats for every single type of class and subclass out there. Mm-hmm. The warlord, which was what the battle master kind of reminds me of, you had a charisma based warlord, an intelligence based warlord, a wisdom based warlord. You know, depending on how you were a leader and like your like healing or tactical repositioning or stuff was always based off your secondary stat. Okay. I feel like they should have done something kind of like that for the battle master where like charisma or intelligence played a part and thus pumping that a little bit more than normal. You um, were rewarded for it. Yeah. But like this one single maneuver isn't enough for that. And so I feel like you can kind of like sub out strength. If you want, like, I thought it was better to go decks for my battle master. Mm-hmm. So then it kind of opened up strength a little bit for me to like move. Mm-hmm. important stats elsewhere elsewhere yeah yeah and i think I that's common i think a lot of people like to build uh light armor um battle masters yeah but moving on we have repose when a creature misses you with a melee attack you can use your reaction and expend one superiority die to make a melee weapon attack against the creature if you hit you add your superiority die to the attack's damage roll so this is just a counter attack yeah i yeah, thought it was cool. which is cool that's which a good fun. one like doing damage on not your turn is always cool. fun yes yeah. absolutely um we have two more sweeping attack when you hit a creature with a melee weapon attack, you expend one superiority die to attempt to damage another creature with the same attack. Here's your link spin. Fucking attack. sweep the leg. <laughs> Choose another creature within five feet of the original target and within your reach if the original attack roll would hit the second creature. It takes damage equal to the number on your uh, you roll on your superiority die. The damage is of the same type dealt with your original attack. So it's like it's like almost like splash damage, mm-hmm. which is cool. But if you're spending superiority die, I'm not sure if I want to use it on sweeping attack. Yeah. I don't know. It would be cool if, like, in 4th... I keep going back to 4th edition. It'd be cool if, like, in 4th edition, minions existed, because splash damage will kill a minion. Oh, that's cool. And that's fun. Okay. But minions don't exist in uh, 5e unless you're in my game, which they do, which I rarely use these days, but... I'm not really sure what exactly it is you mean when you say minion. A minion was a a type of creature where it had only one HP. Oh. And so you were able to throw, like, a horde of them... And, you know, they would do proportional damage to whatever level, um, sure. level 15 or one. Um, but they would always have only one HP. So they were always just one hit kills. They're just exploders. Yeah, they're yeah. just minions, you know, minions that you see in in superhero uh, movies and, and that's cartoons funny because that yeah. I use um, for f- I didn't I didn't really know about that, uh-huh. like mechanically yeah. speaking. Uh, but for Flashbang and the Surgeon, the role plays there like you're a superhero. It shouldn't take you more than like. At higher levels, it shouldn't take you more than like one or two hits to kill a guy or to down a guy. Mm -hmm. So our theater combats are like, if you land the attack, he's down. Because that's how like mob attacks work. And like the daredevil fight scene where they go down the hallway. It's like two hits and the guy's out, Mm -hmm. but there's 30 guys. Yeah, I think minions is one of the 
uh, quite a few things from fourth edition that I think you can just pull right over into 5e and it just makes it better. Yeah, I think yeah. that's super fucking cool. Yeah. Like, I get the one HP mechanical, mm-hmm. like, oh, I guess technically all my guys that they they have, they didn't have AC though. The the, the ones I use, they don't, oh, yeah. they These don't have AC. will have AC, so you have yeah. to hit them. You do have to hit them, um, okay. But, but yeah. So final maneuver, trip attack. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend one superiority die to attempt to knock the target down. You can add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll, and if the target is large or smaller, it must make a strength saving throw on a failed save. You knock the target prone. I like this one a lot. Yeah. Knocking people prone can be cool. It depends. Like, it's just another one of those things, like the pushing attack. Mm-hmm. It's very, very situational. Yeah, it's situational, but one thing... Oh, shit. Uh, camera's just went out. Hold on, <laughs> Did we record for 30 minutes? We must have. Yeah, we did. Okay. So do you want to just make an edit here? Yeah. Okay, cool. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah, it is situational. Um, but one cool thing about knocking someone prone is as long as they're prone, everyone who attacks them has advantage. Exactly. And that's pretty spicy. So against like a big, like when I say it's situational, if you're mobbing down one guy and mm-hmm. you knock him over... He's going to get mobbed so hard. You're going to, this could be the, the, the killing blow. It could be, it could be the thing that initiates the killing blow. Yeah. So like, basically I'm going to start, I'm going to save up like two or three of these for the end game for Mm -hmm. the, for the final move. So I can knock this guy over and we can mob this dude. Indeed. So me and my paladin or barbarian buddy can just like fucking Fucking go hard. Yeah, absolutely. Kill his mother trucker. (laughs) So that's all the maneuvers. Um, Anything else you want to talk about? Ask about comment about when it comes to the battle master before we dive into my character here no i think we addressed some good things like scaling and mm-hmm. like being able to swap out these maneuvers for the late game stuff yeah and, absolutely yeah okay so uh i went ahead and built a character i think we both agreed we we're going to build level 10 characters today i built the battle master um and i wanted to do my best because the battle master reminds me so much of the warlord it's like how can i make this as much like the 4e warlord as i can mm-hmm. and um I ended up building a character based off of a warlord I used to play back in 4th edition whose name was Hyperion. He was human. This one's a dragonborn, but I've built today a dragonborn battlemaster named Hyperion the Halcyon. Nice. So, um, I didn't really get super into the backstory, but my idea behind Hyperion is he's kind of like a disgraced former officer of like a dragonborn military. Okay. His squad got wiped out by some enemy I didn't define, but... Whoever it is, he has a vendetta against this enemy. And because of the the way things went down, um, the blame of his squadrons like slaughtering was pinned on his failure as a leader. Mm -hmm. So he was cast out and now he's just a wandering mercenary. But he has all this like officer level military expertise. So he's a strategist. He's, you know, uh, a tactician. And he's more than meets the eye when you think of a mercenary. So most people don't expect the stuff that he's bringing to the fight. High level mercenary. Most people are expecting like a ruffian, a thug or like a basic fighter, but he's bringing all these strategies and tactics. That's awesome. So that's my idea behind Halcyon. Uh, I think I did the standard array, but his stats are thus. He has a 19 strength, eight dexterity, 16 constitution, 12 intelligence, 10 wisdom and 14 charisma. So I did get that charisma up. Yeah. Partially because he's a dragonborn. So I think he has a plus one. He gets a little bit extra. Yeah. Um, you know, he has a plus eight to his strength save, plus seven to his constitution save. Everything else is pretty abysmal. His initiative sucks. He only has a eight dexterity, so it's a negative one uh, initiative. Dumps that um, dex. But he's got some heavy armor with a 16 armor class. Okay. 114 HP. Um, I made him a gold dragonborn. 
Um, okay. And that's where the name, the Halcyon comes in. So like Halcyon came up as like a synonym to the word auric or golden, but Halcyon also generally is used to mean like the pe- peaceful or um, what's the word? Not Zen, but like um, even enlightened. And the thing is Hyperion benevolent, almost like benevolent. Okay. But I picture Hyperion as kind of being like ha- of a dual nature. Sure. Of like when he isn't fighting, he does have this certain like peacefulness to him. Some feng shui. Um, he's very, um, he's very approachable. He's very eloquent in the way he speaks. But when he turns on the, the battle master, he is anything but Halcyon. He's a polar opposite. So I like the idea of like they call him Hyperion the Halcyon because he's, he's anything but Halcyon. Oh, like, does shit. that make okay. sense? Like it's like it's like calling the big guy tiny. Yeah, it's, I get yeah, it. Yeah, that's how I feel about Hyperion. The Halcyon. I get it. Um, but he breathes fire because he's you know a gold dragonborn, and so I, I like the idea of a cone AOE effect, just adding more to the utility of what the warlord can do. Because I wanted him to do be able to attack and attack strong, but also to be able to do many things in battle because that's what the battle master shines at. So AOE is just another thing to tack onto his utility. Cool. Does he have like war scars? He's like oh a, yeah, a he's all scarred scar. up. I picture him as kind of like an older guy. Um, I think in Dragonborn, they, they live to be about 80. So I picture him in his like mid 40s, late 40s, cool. somewhere in there. Um, tired, a little tired, a little bit tired. Yeah, yeah he's tired. we're gonna get into his like his flaws and his, his other stuff, but just to talk about his highlights, like he's trained in animal handling, athletics, history, and intimidation. Uh, so plus four, plus eight, plus five, plus six, respectively. Um, Oh, um, my original Hyperion fought with a triple-headed flail, which was a weapon you could get in 4E. They don't have that in 5E, but I just took a flail and just reflay. It's triple-headed, bro. Nice. It looks cool. That's pretty rad. <laughs> um, let's move on to the second page here. I chose the dueling um, fighting style, so it just adds a little bit more to his damage. Um, he gets the second win. He gets the action action surge. Um his combat superiority dice at this level, he has five D10s working with. So th- those aren't too bad. Cool. I chose Commander Strike because, again, he's a military commander. He's going to be able to see an opening and tell someone to take advantage and move his troops where they need to be. Nice. Uh, disarming attack. You know, he he's going to have that ability to uh, take away an enemy's um, offensive power. What's the punishment for, for that? Like... I know, like on when their turn rolls back around and you've dropped their weapon, they spend an action picking their weapon back up. Or like, I think it might be a bonus action. By the way, they do have to spend some resource picking it back up. I'd have to look up the rule. Okay, I don't know it off the top of my head. But the important thing is like opportunity attacks. They ain't going to be able to get them. Yeah, and uh, you know people can now feel the uh, the ability to move in and move out more mm-hmm. freely. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Maneuvering attack. Um, this is the one where you can expand a superiority die to move a creature up to half their speed. So again, moving the troops around, yeah. getting them where they need to be, seeing openings, seeing escape routes, whatever it is. Like he's a commander, he's 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 a military guy, he's always looking at terrain. He's always looking at the battle um the grid. escape if you will. Yeah. The grid. Yeah. Um pushing attack, you know, again, now now we're moving the enemy to where we want them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Rally um able to to inspire the troops and get that morale up uh for to give the healer more time to, to get in there where the healer needs to be. 
uh, repose, which is uh, making the enemy pay for missing you. You attack them, counterattack. Seem pretty standard. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the most popular one. Yeah. And then trip attack, um, which we just kind of talked about the trip attack, about tripping them and like going for the kill boys. I love the trip attack. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the end game for sure. Exactly. If you like having a trouble with a pr- one particular guy in the way, let's mm-hmm. just get this guy out of the way quick. Mm-hmm. If, if somebody's prone, can you go through their space? Can you go over them? Uh, I think you can. No, they probably make an opportunity deck, but I think you can move through them. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes maybe sense. Athletics check, jump over um, this guy. Other than that, he's got resistance to fire. I don't know if I said that. His uh, dragon breath at this level is do is still only doing 2d6 fire damage, but it's in an AoE. It's a 15-foot cone. Um, one more level, and it's up to a 3d6. So it's just, again, also an intimidation factor. Yeah, it's know. a cool you opener. I was going to say. golden... Uh, dragonborn dude in heavy armor just breathing fire. That's terrifying. Yeah, he just like hit three guys with yeah, a fire, exactly. fire breath attack. And he's just in here yelling commands and like he just seems so experienced and knowledgeable. You're really intimidated. Like, can we win this fight? <laughs> Probably not because I said Hyperion on the Halcyon. Um, <laughs> I made him lawful neutral. Um, and this is what I wrote about, about him when it comes to his ideals, bonds, and flaws. So his ideal is I will remember the fallen and protect those who still stand. Um, his bonds are, I would I would still lay down my life for the people I served with. I'll never forget the crushing defeat my company suffered or the enemies who dealt it. I fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. His flaws are that he often bears responsibility for things outside his control. He's overly critical of disorderly or carefree individuals and has a severe weakness for sweets. <laughs> cool. So any questions about Hyperion the Halcyon? Um, no. So... <laughs> <laughs> I like him. Cool, cool. He's a cool um, guy. Yeah, so like I think the Battlemaster's fun and I think he's a great way if you really want to bring the warlord to life. I just feel like and it, I feel like uh, there's a lot of carryover between my old warlord and this character. That's cool. Yeah. It, so if you're looking to rebuild the 4E warlord, there's there's a, a there's version a way of to it do right it. there. Yeah, yeah. There we go. I like him. I uh I'm seeing him in a bar, you know, just waiting for that waiting for that next docket to roll yeah, up. Sure. Absolutely. For, let's scoping out his bingo book yeah. or whatever. And I think a great like uh adventure hook is like he sees someone bearing the emblem of the motherfuckers that took out his squadron. You know oh. what I mean? And then bam, he's in the story. Character flaw. So, that being said, let's take a short rest. Okay. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. 
Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the party episode. We're not talking about that last thing. We're not. We're talking about this new thing, and it's the people that... Your your time has come. I'm going (laughs) to shout you out now. Today's the day. Are you ready, Patreon people that came into Patreon in the last three weeks or so? Get ready. (laughs) Your time is now. Micah. Thank you, Micah. Haven't we thanked Micah before? I usually try to overlap one. Okay, well, yeah. thank you, Micah, again. Thanks, Micah. I think we've done I Micah. I don't mind thanking you twice. I just want to make sure Brian knew what he was doing. This could be the third one, because hey, uh, I'm hey, shouting Micah you again. out. If you up your if you up your pledge, get an, another shout-out, just because. Oh, you're, you're oh hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah, hell yeah. So thanks for upping, Micah, Indeed. again. Probably this is the third time we shouted you out, I think. Um, so let's go to the next one. Jeremy Pape- Papaleo. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, Michael Melendez. Thank you, Michael. Craigery. Thank you, Craigery. I'm pretty sure that's like a Bim Bam or Adventures Unreferenced. It could be. My name's Craigery. Yeah. That's some Griffin But shit. I think Craigery is also a real name. Is it? I that's so. cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought it was Craig and Gregory. You know what? We just lost Craigery. No. Come, come stay, back. Stay, Craigery. We love your name. I do love a name. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Carlos. Ray Frosto. Thank you, Carlos. Frosto. Uh, Lou Yardley. Thank you, Lou. Oz. Thank you, Lane. Thank you, Oz. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to go up here a little bit. Christopher Scott Ferris. Thank you, Christopher. Seneca Haynes. Thank you, Seneca. The role player. Thank you, role player. The role player. Yeah, it's the role player. <laughs> Get it right, Will. Excuse me. Um, thanks for up your pledge, Gerard Dwayne. Thank you, Gerard. Uh, pl- okay, hang on a second. Uh, I are. There's spaces between these. I space, R space, and then no space between these. TP. I-R-T-P. Thank you, I-R-T-P. And then the villain Joel, all one word. <laughs> Thank you, the villain Joel. Let me go up a little bit more. <laughs> uh, we got, um, let's see. Oh, we're in June now. Andrew Szemprak. Thank you, Andrew. Joel Lima. Thank you, Joel. Uh, Nick Farrell. Thank you, Nick. Um, yeah, so oh, is that everyone? That, Thank that you, we everyone. got it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're living that pandemic life and still there's a lot of crazy true. stuff going on in the world besides that. This is true. So thanks for thinking of us guys. Indeed. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, go check out your bonus content. Ranger danger two is going to be up very, very soon. Uh, I dropped the theme song. That means it's coming. 
Um, we only recorded half of it, so there's going to be another whole, it's like in a whole episode's worth of content still, yeah. even though. So we'll get that up uh, someday. Yeah, SuperQuest should be back. Actually, by the Super time Quest this is, is back. already came back. Yeah, so it, it done came back. Did you guys check out SuperQuest Saga? It, it's back. It's back. <laughs> and I thought it was a great episode. Yeah, yeah, I had um, a lot of fun. It was fun it was to be back. Great to be back. Uh, we're right back to it. it. It didn't even felt like we left except for me because I'm, spoilers, I'm a new guy. I'm oh, a new guy yeah, in that this one. This is true. This is true. Uh, so, yeah. Um, let's get back to the show. Back to the show. We've returned. We have. We're back. And we're talking about a new subclass. My new guy. The Cavalier. So this yeah. is out of Zanny's guide to all the stuff. Yeah. Uh, yes. And we actually built a Cavalier on the show. Uh, Norman Armstrong was a Cavalier. That's right. Indeed. I love Norman. Yeah, a lot so of people love Norman. I love Norman too. I hope to play him one day. But um, I'm very curious to see how very much different your Cavalier will be from Norman Armstrong. <laughs> Norman is the character. I'd probably play something closer to Norman than what I built today. Uh-huh. And I know we kind of led the episode like, this is what we would play if like we, no, this is what I would build to like as a bad guy. Oh, okay, for I sure. Bu- I built no, like, cool a, too. I built yeah, like a, I, I may have said that, character. but it was more along the lines of like, this is like, this is us being creative with the subclass. Like, yeah. If, like there's a lot of subclasses that I'll never play. Um, but I think what's cool about the series is it will give me a chance to be like, whoa, but what if I did? And yes. Then, and that's kind of how I've been approaching Yeah, it. very cool. So the Cavalier, as a concept, is not new to 5e. Historically, there have been knight-type classes meant to specialize in mountain combat. Uh, most of the time, it's a kind of fighter, but 4e actually had a paladin version of the Cavalier. Now, this uh, subclass has a cult following, if you will. It has always been a bit of an over-specialized class that suffered from losing too many bonuses when forced off of their horse, in much the same way the pre-4e ranger suffered similarly from being outside of their favorite terrain or favorite enemy. So this okay. has always been kind of a class that never was quite right. I feel like they kind of curb, curb that in this, because I, I read a lot oh, of stuff yeah, about yeah. like how you don't really need a mount you at all. You super don't. Yeah. Now, 5e's Cavalier is interesting because it moves away from the whole mounted combat thing and doubles down on the cultured knight of protection deal. Yeah, um, that's I pers- what I got out of right. it. I personally love this subclass but then again it feels very akin to the 4e fighter defender role which i adored back in my 4e days yes. i really did i fucking love the fighter from 4e um whether this is a good version of the cavalier or not is another discussion um page 30 of xanathar's guide to everything describes the cavalier thusly the archetypical that's it's archetypal 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 is the word I think that's how you say it. The archetypal cavalier excels at mounted combat. Usually born among the nobility and raised at court, a cavalier is equally at home leading a cavalry charge or exchanging repartee at a state dinner. Cavaliers also learn how to guard those in their charge from harm, often serving as the protectors of their superiors and of the weak. Compelled to right wrongs or earn prestige, many of these fighters leave the lives of comfort to embark on glorious adventure. So they're very much a knight of the realm. Yes. So uh, anything you want to say about the Cavalier before we get into the features? I didn't do any of that stuff. Okay. Cool. Cool, cool. <laughs> well, kind of. I, yeah. We'll take, I took those roots. Right. And then sure. I rubbed a bunch of dirt on them. Oh, which is boy. like a horrible analogy because I, roots are in the dirt already. Super But hard, you know yeah. what I mean. I get what you mean. So uh, first thing you get at level three when you choose this archetype uh, is a bonus proficiency. You gain proficiency in one of the following skills of your choice. Animal handling, history, insight, performance, or persuasion. Alternatively, though, you can also learn an extra language of your choice. Yeah, so if you, you want are, to be a diplomat, yeah, you, you can are kind an of, educated man. Exactly, but if here. you want to get on that horse, yeah. now's your chance. Now's your chance. Animal yeah. handle it up. So also uh, at level three, you get born to the saddle. 
Your mastery as a writer becomes apparent. You have an advantage on saving throws made to avoid falling off your mount. If you fall off your mount and descend no more than 10 feet, you can land on your feet if you're not incapacitated. Finally, mounting or dismounting a creature costs you only five feet of movement rather than half your speed. While both cavaliers and samurai existed in the real world, our inspirations for both fighter archetypes are taken from popular culture, not from history. Uh, this is words from the book of D&D. Our intent is to capture the cinematic heroic element of both archetypes in the game rather than create an accurate historical representation of either one. Okay. So, You are good at mounted combat, but it's not like the end all be all. Right. You don't have to be on your horse to do to stuff. To be good. You're yeah. just good at being on your horse. You get some benefits, though, to being on a mount. I mean, yeah, right, absolutely. Like, especially with this, like your features kind of like your mount is a target. It can be targeted. So, yeah, absolutely. The, you, the, you'll see this class like start to kind of be supplemented in a way that helps you stay on the mount and protect the mount. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I don't have a lot of experience with mounted combat in 5e, but yeah, I either. imagine a lot of times if you're on like a war horse, your war horse has certain abilities. So like your benefit of being better at staying on your mount is that your mount has a benefit. Does that make sense? Yeah, like yeah. you're going to have more speed. Yeah. You're going to be able to, like, if you want to build, like, a heavy armor version, you're not mm-hmm. going to be bogged down by the the speed thing as long as right. you're on the mount. And, like, there uh, is there, like, a certain, like, thing you get for, is, like, the mount going to take the opportunity to attack if you move by people? Or are you going to take it? Um, or can the opponent choose? I wasn't, I didn't I, look I think too much into choose, that. you can choose, but my point is that mounts, creatures that are mounts usually have features that they have. Oh, like the mount itself has like abilities. Yeah, like I know like a warhorse probably has like a charge feat. So where you can oh, like cool. stomp over people. Oh, so your benefit okay. of being able to better stay on your mount is that your mount has benefits. Does you that know, make sense? I didn't look into the mount and I should have. <laughs> you super should have. Yeah, but because but, I didn't but, feel but like it did, was very important. You did pick a mount and we have a bookmark, so we'll look at it today. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very specific kind of like. It uh, is. I didn't think it was important well, enough to like, well, I'm on a fucking horse or whatever. You will right. see. You'll see. Um, next feature, also level three, unwavering mark. So starting at level three, you can menace your foes, foiling their attacks and punishing them for harming others. When you hit a creature with a melee weapon attack, you can mark the creature until the end of your next turn. This effect ends early if you are incapacitated or you die, or if someone else marks the creature. While it is within five feet of you, a creature marked by you has disadvantage on any attack roll that doesn't target you. In addition, if you, a creature is marked by you, deals damage to anyone other than you, you can make a special melee weapon attack against the marked creature as a bonus action on your turn. You have advantage on the attack roll, and if it hits, the attack's weapon deals extra damage to the target equal to half your fighter level. So at level 10, that'd be five. Regardless of the number of creatures you mark, you can make the special attack a number of times equal to your strength modifier, and you regain all expended uses of it when you finish a long rest. Right. So So you should be doing like two or three attacks in this instance. Yeah, you are truly a tank in the 4E sense of the word. This is incredibly similar to what all fighters get um i think it was called combat superiority in um in 4e 4E. and it was very similar to this when you hit somebody they're marked if they fuck with anyone else you punish them again yeah like it's that anime moment like you're fighting me remember i'm your opponent i fucking love that feature i love the cavalier it's It's really probably my favorite fighter subclass um next at level seven you get warding maneuver 
So you learn to fend off strikes directed at you, your mount, or other creatures nearby. If you or a creature you can see within five feet of you is hit by an attack, you can roll 1d8 as a reaction if you're wielding a melee weapon or a shield, roll the die, and add the number rolled to the target's AC against that attack. If the attack still hits, the target has resistance against the attack's damage. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your constitution modifier, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. This is great. You protect yourself, protect your horse, protect your dudes, like... And in, if you somehow fail to protect them, they're still protected because resistance is dope. That's half damage. Yeah, man. You're, this is re- that's a really, really important feature. Yeah. Like, you're a fucking wall if you're a cavalier. Yeah. As it. you level, this class, like, become, like I just feel like it's being fully realized. By, yes. like, level 10, you're pretty much, like, you're, you're doing all like, the things you think it should be doing. Right. And then after that, it's just, like, gravy to me. Like, Indeed. you're doing so much more. Icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. So, level 10, uh, this will be the last feature that you get in your character today. Mm-hmm. Um, you become a master of locking down your enemies. Creatures provoke an opportunity attack from you when they move five feet or more while within your reach. So, it doesn't matter if they're moving away. If they move at all, you're hitting them. Yeah. And if you hit a creature with an opportunity attack, the target speed is reduced to zero. So, they're not moving at all. Yep. Like, they can try to move. Okay, so this is... This is what I loved also about the 5e or the 4e fighter was in 4e... There was a movement action you could take called a shift, mm-hmm. which meant like if you shifted, you could move five feet in any direction without taking opportunity attack. Okay. Um, and even if you're leaving melee range. Even if you're leaving melee range. Cool. Okay. Um, so the roll have, in Smash Brothers. Yeah. And uh, what? Yeah. Yeah. It was like a roll in Smash Brothers. And the fighter was one of the few defenders that could even lock down a shift. Nice. Um, this is essentially that you're locking down them, even moving five feet around you if it's not even away from you and you're stopping him and that was what was cool about the fighter is a lot of the defenders for 4e you would punish them for moving but they would still move the 5e said no you're not going fucking anywhere this is like i just stabbed your leg yeah exactly (laughs) into the ground like have fun being in this square absolutely love it cool at level 15 you get ferocious charger you can run down your foes whether you're mounted or not if you move at least 10 feet in a straight line right before attacking your creature and you hit with an attack the target must succeed in a saving a strength saving throw uh, DCA plus your proficiency bonus plus strength save modifier or be knocked prone. You can use this feature only once on each of your turns. I mean, that's cool. I mean, it doesn't use, does it use a bonus action? No, it's just if you hit. So nice. Not too bad. Yeah. Finally, at level 18, you get Vigilant Defender. Uh, you respond to danger with extraordinary vigilance. In combat, you get a special reaction that you can take once on every creature's turn, except your turn. You can use this special reaction only to make an opportunity attack, and you can't use it on the same turn that you take your normal reaction so this is pretty cool you do get it super late so it's like you don't really get to enjoy it i feel but like just it's like unlimited opportunity attacks is basically what you're kind of getting it here. just feels like I the role play it. like because at the end at your level 18 you should be in like i'm picture when i read that it makes me picture my cavalier mm-hmm. on a horse mm-hmm. in a big battle scenario mm-hmm. and these opportunity attacks are so fucking meaningful because there's so many guys like mm-hmm. you're charging through yeah. the forces yeah. and the forces are charging past you and you're just you're like just stabbing like people as you go sword. yeah yeah, <laughs> I, yeah so I, cool. I love that and it's it's great i kind of wish you could get that at level 15 instead of 18 i know the, the, uh, the 15 ability is so like lackluster compared it to is, the others it is but you know what almost every subclass has one or two features that are lackluster yeah so and i appreciate is. this being a bottom heavy class where like you're getting most of your best stuff in the it's early too, levels. it is it really is bottom heavy i love bottom heavy classes mostly because in my experience of Dungeons dragons over the last 10 years uh fucking uh, about to be 11 years tomorrow um i know um but uh it, 
most campaigns don't make it past level 10, man. I, I, I very rarely have I played past level 10. And so bottom yeah. heavy classes, gotta love them. You have to start at higher levels to kind of... And, and the story development, it gets so extraordinary when you started as this fucking nobody and now you're like... Because mm-hmm. you, at the lower levels, you're just... you're In a lot of campaigns, you're very yeah. vulnerable to death. Yeah. Death is on your doorstep all the yeah, time. So true. like you, you, you shouldn't build like... You should leave that backstory open so you can have some interchangeability there. And yeah, like, absolutely. Let, like, it's always hard putting a character on the shelf. My God. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's fun to do. Yeah, it and is fun to do. Now you get to play this new build. So any any other comments, questions, concerns about the Cavalier before we look at your character? I think looking at my character is going to open up a whole new world of possibilities <laughs> and, like, okay. what... And the, the stuff that we haven't tackled and we want to tackle, we can like look at the mount mm-hmm. that I picked and like yeah. what it means for my character. I think we should just get at my character. I'm okay, let's do it. Let's take a minute. I'll give you this iPad. Yeah, I got to look yeah. at my stuff. Hang on. Uh, okay, we're back and I have my character up. So um, my my character is a Triton. Okay, uh, cool. So we're going to go under the Fun, sea. Underwater. You're got the it. fish people. Yes, it is. It really is. <laughs> we couldn't even escape it here. You're the demon lord, the giant, and the fish people. Yeah. It's all three. Uh, and <laughs> the now, giant demon lord fish man. And now we're going to do half a year of character creation. It's just now a good I year. I feel obligated to do the demon lord dig in this year because he is a giant, like, underwater creature. You just, Lord. you said and he's it, big. you said he's it out loud. Big. So now it's like, I probably will. He's actually oh, one of my yeah, favorite Hell yeah. Lords, but he's not going to have a stat block. Anyways, let's talk about your character. Let's talk about your character. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just talk about. Your I character. just showed the. If you're on YouTube, you just saw Demogorgon. Shout out to sure. Demogorgon. I got out of the abyss. You know, uh, Dagon module. is very related to Demogorgon. But anyways, back to your character. I mean, uh, demon lords. You know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I picked a Triton, so we're going yes. under the sea. You're the fish people. You know. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, should we redo the bit? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so when you're a Triton, you get. Plus one to strength, con and charisma. I love that. I love that you get three. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm learning D&D Beyond right now on the fly. So yeah, everybody, you know, be a little patient with me. So Tritons can reach maturity around age 15, live up to 200 years. I'm going to put my guy right in the middle. He's 90 years old or whatever, okay, 100 cool. years old, yeah. somewhere in there. So he's like middle age. Uh, yeah. So he's been through some life and some shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, alignment. Um, I don't care about that. My guy is kind of evil. Uh, Tritons are... <laughs> Uh, alignment kind of evil alignment kind of evil I guess Uh, this guy's like a biker boss okay cool Uh, we'll get into why okay Um, so like he he's raised in like a nobility sort of kind of like a I don't want to say noble because I didn't pick a noble background so like merchant family yeah sure (laughs) and and like has those cavalier type you know like I picked insight as an ability score and educated but he's a bad boy he's just a real bad boy he's a rebel uh, my base walking speed is 30 feet, but I'm a swimmer. So it's 30 feet also there. I can breathe air and water cause I'm amphibious. I can control air and water because I'm a badass. Uh, I can so cast natural spells. Yeah. I get to cast. It's like a Genasi kind of, I get to cl- cast fog cloud, uh, starting at third level. I can cast gust of wind and starting at fifth level. I can also cast wall of water. Awesome. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. Charisma is my spellcasting ability. Now I want to build a Triton Storm Barbarian. Dude, I've been wanting to build Tritons uh, so much since we did the Triton episode. (laughs) I'm like, okay, next character, I'm doing a Triton. And it just happened to be, yeah. Uh, I have Dark Vision, which is to say regular vision. That's starting to catch, by the way. I don't want to confuse people. Dark Vision is not regular vision. It's just what most people have in the fantasy world where magic is normal. Exactly. Where you can just go to sleep and all your wounds heal. Mm -hmm. Um, Emissary of the Sea, aquatic beast having extraordinary affinity with your people. You can Aquaman it. You 
communicating with beasts that can breathe water. They can understand the meaning of your words, though you have no special ability to understand them in return. Mm. But you can just basically like give commands to dolphins. Nice. Uh, adapted to the fr- uh, I'm guardians of the depth. I'm adapted to the frigid ocean depth, and I have resistance to cold damage. So I've got thick bones. Nice. That's uh, a good fucking <laughs> racial stat block, bro. I know this is really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Uh, I can speak, read, and write common and primordial. So cool. I can talk to. Water Genasi people, I guess. Okay. Uh, so for my class, obviously, fighter, cavalier. Yeah, you're going to get all that lockdown stuff. But what's the flavor? What's the background? Tell me. So tell me, tell me. Th- this guy, he grew up in like this merchant family. Mm-hmm. And then one day he just decided that that shit wasn't for him. Okay. And he was like, you know what? I got to find my own way. And uh, my parents, are, his parents were probably real strict. So mm-hmm. he's just like broke out as a teenager. And then he's just starting to live in that merc life. Okay, cool. Yeah, just murking. out there just... Just murking people. Actually... Be, just being a badass. Yeah, he got it. He's a level 10 character, he, so... like, start a gang? Yes. Like, oh, okay, so, cool, cool, so, cool. So, basically, uh, the mount is a big seahorse. Yeah, a giant seahorse. We a have a stat block right here. So, we... Um, Straight out of Monster Man. We are a gang of bike... I'm the leader of a gang of seahorse bikers. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love it. <laughs> so, we, we ride... Do you guys a, have a name? Oh, man. Well, I'll think oh, about wait, it. Oh, wait, wait. What's your guy's name? Oh, man. <laughs> So um, we keep him, my guy, my guy, my guy, my guy. Uh, who's uh, your guy? Well, this is his like nickname that became his permanent name because he's the leader of this biker boss for like I don't know fifty plus years. Okay, oh, he's been doing it. He's been doing time. it for a long time. Okay, this is like you. an established thing, and yeah. he his name he started to call him Quinoa mm-hmm. um, <laughs> because. You're going to make you shit yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, scary. I've heard this. I've heard this. I did the- <laughs> he told me this three times before we recorded today. <laughs> this is my biker. Uh, and my question was, does quinoa make you poop? And you told me yes. High I, fiber. I believed you. Ancient because, grains, yeah, bro. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're calling him quinoa uh, for what happens to people that encounter quinoa. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he makes you shit yourself. Uh, I took animal handling and inti- was that enough background on this guy? For I think now? so. I think I, we'll we, get into we, more, but yeah, we'll talk about more. But yeah, uh, he probably has like a girlfriend with big hair. Okay, cool. Yeah, why big hair? Just uh, it looks cool when you ride on the bike on the seahorse. He has a two seater for when he's with his yeah, girl. Obviously, yeah. absolutely. He's an absolute gentleman. Do we want to get into the giant seahorse stats? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I think the so, giant seahorse is one of the cooler things about my character. Yeah, absolutely. So I got it here. It's a large beast, unaligned, armor class 13, hit points uh, 16, so not a lot, but uh, strength 12, dexterity 15, constitution 11, intelligence 2, wisdom 12, charisma 5. Um, it has a feature called charge. If the seahorse moves at least 20 feet straight toward a target and then hits it with a ram attack on the same turn, the target takes an extra 2d6 bludgeoning damage. If the target is a creature, it must dis- succeed a DC 11 strength saving throw or be knocked prone. It also can breathe underwater. It's a seahorse. It's a seahorse. Um, and its ram attack is a plus three, um, 1d6 plus one bludgeoning damage. And then it says here, like their smaller kin, giant seahorses are shy, colorful fish with elongated bodies and curled tails. Aquatic elves train them as mounts. Also tritons, apparently. Yeah. That uh, makes sense. I think I probably stole one from a sea elf. Ooh, I like it. I took elvish as a as a bonus language oh, so sense. I could fuck with sea elves. Yeah, of course. And you're gonna. Uh, I'm so, probably yeah. primarily not fucking with tritons. I'm probably fucking with the other races like the, oh, the Moreau same. and yeah. the merfolk. Not okay. the Moreau. They're yeah. pr- probably they, go kill they, those guys. They fuck with you. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm level 10. Oh, that's true. You are level 10. Yeah. And you're fucking up some more. They're probably fucking, they probably fuck with my guys, my biker guys. Uh-huh. And then I got to go fuck with them. You yeah, know, I you know how it is. Got to lay down the law. Uh, yeah, I know how it is. I took the defensive fighting style. I have animal handling Ooh, and intimidation. What's your, AC? what's your HP? What's that look like? Uh, HP is 94. Um, Why do I have more HP than you? I feel like I made a mistake on my, 
I think I took the tough feet and I printed that out, but then I changed my mind to the shield master feet, which I forgot to talk about. Oh, um, either way. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't take the. I know when you have the tough feet, you get into like fucking ridiculous HP. Yeah. Um, what is my AC? Where do I find that in in D and D Beyond? Um, you probably didn't equip it because I I kind of watch you build your character. I don't think you actively equip. I don't think I did either. But kind of armor is he wearing? Uh, it's gonna be medium armor. Okay, so um, it's gonna be like scale armor. Let's talk. Let's scale armor. So I think that's a fourteen plus. What's your dexterity? Uh, dex is sixteen. So plus three, I think it maxes at two though. So it's going to be 16 AC. 16 AC. I yeah. think I was going to sh- have a shield okay, also. So, so it'll be 18. 18. Because I can have a, I, he has a trident. Yeah. So this is the aesthetic. Okay. We, yeah. we can complete the aesthetic now right. that we have trident, all these pieces in place. Yeah. I'm wearing the bones of my kills. Okay. Uh, my cool. animal kills. Sure. I'm wearing like a shark skull as a helmet. Okay. I, I'm wearing like fish bone like on my as my scale mail yeah. and my shield is like the rib cage of like a whale or something mm-hmm. that is just like attached to my arm. Yeah. And yeah. then I have a trident, which is probably just a big sharp three headed bone. That's fucking wicked. Cool. I, I really like that. And yeah, it's very much like the bad guy you come across while you're going across the ocean plains and your aqua <laughs> campaign. Yeah. I love it. yeah. Except yeah. it's more like exactly. He's very <laughs> much a, Spongebo- a Spongebob villain of he's some a, sort. He's a bad guy from Spongebob. I, I really like it though. He's the guy that's like, you need to go to the Weenie Hut Jr. Exactly. Or whatever. That's yeah. Is <laughs> that guy. Um, the gooby goobers. Uh, okay. So yeah, defensive fighting style to, so my AC should actually be one more than that. Okay, sure. Because of my fighting style. I think that's the way yeah, I went 17. with it. Okay, um, so in 19, whatever. Yeah. It's high. You're born to saddle, all that stuff. Okay, let me get into the the cool the cool shit. So I went standard array. I gave the 15 to strength. So that bumps it up to, after all my um, my uh, cool Bonuses? ability score increases. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I gave, uh, I'm landing at an 18 strength, 16 dex, 16 con. <laughs> Eight intelligence, twelve wisdom, and eleven charisma. So you took no feats. It was no, 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 no. I went. I tried to keep it simple. Real buff, real dexterous, real strong. Yeah, I just he's leaning in. Yeah, to Absolutely. the things yeah. that he. Yeah, why not? Uh, he probably had like his cavalier training was before he was meant to be like a a talker and like a you know the 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 textbook cavalier of mm-hmm. under the seas right but um, said he took his powers and used them for evil oh uh, when we took our break i said uh, I, w- I made a joke about how my character is not as deep as well as except like it is though because it's the ocean uh, okay so uh-huh. <laughs> uh, do, I need to, do i need to go over oh i have, I have the outlander background so enough time has oh, gone yeah, by I didn't since, talk about, yeah sorry you got outlander background go ahead uh he's got a horn that's where I took my elven language um, oh, nice. and he's got a horn because he can play yeah. an instrument it's just yeah. a fucking conch because of course it is yeah of course it and is. when I'm rolling they know I'm rolling up because I'm blowing the fucking conch hell bro yeah absolutely hell yeah they know um, I'm coming to raid their shit we didn't talk about my character but I think it's obvious he was a soldier his background was soldier uh, yeah okay but, yeah. <laughs> but that's awesome dude uh, I get the wanderer feature I, oh, you know you lost. I know the yeah, I know the you terrain know really terrain. well. Pretty much, you're out there. I'm you out. be out there, so you know it. I be out there. I'm like a raider at yeah. this point. Yeah, you are. Yeah, we're just living off the. We're like frost giants up in yeah. here. Pretty you're much, just, like, you're a bunch of fucking bandits. Yeah, that's we're what you are. We're some fucking bandits. Yeah, you're bandits, just fucking highway robbers. Uh, that's it. <laughs> that's our group name is uh, Bandits by Quinoa. There we go. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about when it comes to quinoa? You got to watch out for those ancient grains. You do. You're going to slide right out of here. I think it's time for a long rest. (laughs) Um, 
obviously I'm protecting my mountain, my boys with my trident sure. and my babes on the backseat. Obviously. Um, Hell yeah. I love it. What does quinoa look like? Oh, besides sure. yeah. like under the armor. Who's the man who is the under man the armor off the seahorse? Behind the name. He probably wears jeans. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He wears definitely. jeans and boots. He's got that tight denim. And his uh his frills off his arms and his head and stuff, like mm-hmm. his fins or whatever, those beta fish things. Sure. They're a little longer than normal and they're a little more beat up than normal. Okay. Yeah, you know? they're a little worn and rugged. Yeah. Like yeah. He's got one big scar from that time that great white came and dragged him over to the Kraken. Whoa. And then the Kraken got him a little bit in the same spot. He's level 10. He ain't level 18. He barely escaped. Uh-huh. He just oh, okay. he got on a seahorse and sure. he charged out of there. Sounds and then good. he used the great white as a distraction. Mm-hmm. And the Kraken was like, well, uh, whatever. You're a yummy fish. Yeah. yeah. Well, get, get this fucking thing. Uh, let's get ready for our long rest. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, for our long rest, kind of forgot. I gave you that other long rest prompt. Uh, but we're doing an interview with Bubble Laser. We're not going to have a traditional long rest. Uh, mm-hmm. Bubble Laser is a great artist. You can find her on, find her on Fiverr.com or mm-hmm. her Facebook. Uh, you can see her on our Instagram or our Twitter where we've posted her art. She makes all the art for SuperQuest Saga. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to do an interview with a content creator that wasn't the Dungeon Cast. Yeah, we uh, want to try and make some space for content creators who are doing other stuff for Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, so um, you can check her out for character creation stuff. I'm, we do uh, but here's the interview thanks and see you later indeed hey everybody I'm here with Will and uh, the artist known as Bubble Laser or Bubble Hi. <laughs> how's it going it's going great I'm really excited uh, we're happy to have you on the show Indeed. Um, so I wanted to ask you uh, right off the bat Bubble Laser where does the name come from how did you come up with that <laughs> that is actually like a super funny question um I don't really feel like it came from anywhere. (laughs) I had been using a username that my older brother's friend had chose for me since I was like 10 years old. And I was like, you know what? I don't like this username anymore. I was scrolling through Instagram and I'm like, I want a new one. (laughs) So uh, I had always been described as a bubbly person. And I love bubbles because they're like round and cute and they're colorful. And so I was like bubble something, bubble life, bubble Lord, bubble lake, bubble laser. Oh my gosh. It's cute and cool. So I (laughs) I chose it and it it wasn't already taken. So that just kind of happened. I know that's like, we we had the same thing when we made the podcasts. We're like, oh, let's just like throw a bunch of names together and then we'll try to get them in this order. And Mm -hmm. it was the first one. It was. was. (laughs) How's this not taken? This is awesome. Perfect. Some good names are just, they're meant for you, I guess. I guess so. so, Yeah. It is a good name. Um, So I want to ask you a little bit about your relationship with D&D and uh, like other tabletops Mm. and RPGs. Yeah, totally. Uh, what do you want to know? Uh, I don't know. When did you first start playing D&D? Well, I have been playing a version of Dungeons & Dragons Ooh. since I was seven years old. Oh, cool. Wow. In college, and in high school and college, my dad was super big into role-playing games. And so when we came about the age when we could understand math and you know numbers and stuff <laughs> like that, we all came together and we played a game, but we didn't have any dice. So we played with a playing card deck. And you oh. pull a card from the top of the deck every time oh. you rolled. Right. And I continued playing like that, not realizing that Dungeons and Dragons was a real game uh-huh. for like years. <laughs> I didn't actually play Dungeons and Dragons until my senior year of high school. 
And after that, I was just hooked, completely in love with it. Like, my family is the biggest nerd family ever. Bilbo Baggins and Frodo and Gandalf are members of my family. <laughs> so, <laughs> see, we, we binge Lord of the Rings at least twice a year. And so, like, Dungeons and Dragons was just right in my niche. Mm-hmm. So, I picked it up and I, I was hooked immediately, just super addicted. That's so cool. I've, I've heard of uh, RPGs that play with the cards. Um, I've, I've actually listened to somebody do like a two man where they like take turns flipping cards. That's really, really freaking cool. Yeah. Um, that's a cool concept. Yeah. That's kind of like yours, huh? Well, where but, like you didn't really realize what Dun- yeah, Dungeons and Dragons were, but you were to my already story. immersed. Yeah. I was, I was inundated in D&D and didn't realize that D&D was even a thing. Uh, I used to play a role playing <laughs> game called Dragon Strike when I was like 10. And <laughs> I read a bunch of D&D novels not realizing they were connected to this other thing called Dungeons and Dragons. And, uh, and then I think I started playing when I was about 20, I was 20 years old. I was out of high school and yeah, I was hooked just like you. I've been playing ever since. So when you, when you first started playing, like what was the, what was the concept? You were like, did you have a character that you were like personifying the entire time? Uh, Well, the first time, are we talking like, pulling cards from a deck with my dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so my first character was her name was Erica and she was she was an elf, but I wanted her to be a tiger elf cuz I was a 7-year-old. Yes. <laughs> cool. So my dad came up with like a uh, with like a race of elves called tiger warriors. And so she was a tiger warrior archer named Erica and uh, yeah, yeah, that was fun. I actually recently rebooted her since uh, Eberron came out and Shifters became a thing. There we go. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I can bring Erica back to life and make her a real true blue character. That's awesome. So right, yeah. I just recently played through a game with her and we, we played it to completion and I'm just like giddy with excitement like she exists she's real (laughs) sweet have you drawn it i have actually if you want it i can upload it to uh your email or something like that and i can send you a picture that'd be badass absolutely (laughs) i'll send you the seven-year-old version and then the one that's most recent oh (laughs) Oh, wow get both (laughs) so how did you get started like drawing was that something you've always done oh man yeah i've been drawing since i could since I had the motor skills to hold a pencil in my hand. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And my mom is an artist as well. She is a children's book illustrator. She oh, has cool. written, oh. illustrated, and published like seven of her own children's books. So when I was a little kid and I was like getting into her art supplies and drawing on the walls, she was like, okay, that's not going to fly. So she got me like a legitimate like thick canvas a sketchbook and she gave me she didn't give me like crayola she was like nah my girl's gotta have prisma colors and she's gotta have like <laughs> oil paints and oil pastels oh yes and I'm, like, six years old so i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> my mom definitely enabled my uh my art addiction from a very young age <laughs> that's awesome it's fantastic good stuff okay well uh let's talk about um how that developed into, you know, marketing your skills and becoming the bubble laser that we got to know a little bit, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of like taking requests for character art and, you know, the kind of complications that might come along with something like that. So Mm -hmm. let's start, let's start with like, how did it all begin? 
How did it all begin? Oh boy. So about five years ago, um, I served a service mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm -hmm. It was an 18-month mission in the beautiful country of Taiwan. And it absolutely changed my life. I was spreading joy and preaching about Jesus and just making people happy. And when I came home, I didn't want to be the same person I had been because mm -hmm. I had changed so much. I went from doodling in my sketchbook to wanting to actually spread joy and excitement. And one of the things that brought me excitement and my friends so much excitement and joy was when I would draw their characters at the table. I would just see them light up and they'd be like, yo, that is totally what he looks like. Dude, I love his necklace. Look at his emblem. Whoa, he's got a tabard. I didn't even think about, you know. Awesome. I'm so yeah. excited. Yeah, people love like, to see their characters brought to life. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it brings like this joy and light to their life that you don't get to see very often. And so I was talking with my, with my friend Miranda and she's a powerhouse lady. She's super big into like, marketing and like chemical engineering and she's oh, got wow. like i swear she's gonna get her phd soon she's like amazing cool. she was like well why don't you sell your art online like you could totally do it you've got the skills so she set me up on fiverr and no joke the next day i had an order and that's awesome I'm, yeah i'm i'm a super like worried energetic person so i was like <laughs> just freaking out the whole time uh but then the orders kept coming and people kept ordering and i was like ah! <laughs> yeah. this is insane uh i didn't start to i wasn't i'm not a i'm not a marketer i'm really bad at picking prices i'm really bad at advertisements i'm so bad at that so when i married my husband he was like hey well i'm super into marketing and I'm super big into like numbers and stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. let's make this a business. And he did. He is completely in charge of all of my numbers and my advertising and juggling like commissions here and there. He's really good at scheduling for me. All I have to do is the easy part, which is draw pretty pictures. <laughs> awesome. I mean, that's what I would want that's a, that's <laughs> if, I start, yeah. if I started like that. Perfect team. Um, that's really cool. Okay. So, um, when you have free time as an artist, what is it that you do? If you're not taking like a commission or anything like that, what are you, oh what are you putting down on paper? <sighs> the same exact thing that I do for everybody else. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Like my spare time is spent drawing my characters and mm. the stuff that comes out of our wacky hijinks at the table. Uh, I'm working on a coloring book right now. I do that in my spare time. Uh, I'm like halfway done, so hopefully it'll it'll get here. That sounds so cool. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, like when I'm doing stuff for myself, it just, it looks exactly like how it looks for everybody else. I just love, I love Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I that's think we cool. all do here. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's really cool that you get to do kind of a version of what you love when you're, when you're, you know, doing the business portion of it too. Yeah. That's the yeah. dream right there. 
Um, so let's do a quick plug. Um, tell people where they can find you and how to contact you so they can commission work from you. Oh, fantastic. Um, so I am on multiple uh, platforms. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, you can find me on Fiverr uh, with the same username. It's Bubble Laser. Uh, I have my own website now where you can see most of my artwork. I've got a pretty extensive gallery there. Uh, and I'm currently taking orders through that website. And I hope to just get that flowing as, uh, you know, as easily as possible. I've already gotten several orders through my website, which is like... So exciting and I'm so happy. Us, <laughs> so if you're looking to uh to look at my previous work, I would go straight to my website because that's where that's where my uh that's where my portfolio is right now. So that's if awesome. you're looking for commissioned work, that's also a great place to go. Facebook is also one of my favorite platforms to work with people because I don't have like word restrictions. So I can just talk to you like a normal human. We can be friends. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Um, well, you drew all of our characters for Super Quest Saga, mm-hmm. including um, the Prime NPC. That oh, yeah. Primitive. Plays. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, spoilers for Super Quest Saga, but my most recent character, um, I got two character sheets done and they're both <laughs> fucking awesome. They are. Um, they look really spectacular. We're, we're really happy to be working with you and we really appreciate the work that you've done. Um, I'm slowly posting all your stuff to Instagram, but I do highly encourage people to go check you out on your website. Uh, I have been there. It's very fluid and cool. It was fun to search and look around at all the stuff and cool stuff that I hadn't seen yet on there. Um, but definitely. Um, so I think that's it. I think we can we can call it an interview. Yeah, I think so. Thank oh, you for so joining us. Thanks for coming on the show. Pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been so great to meet you guys. Yeah, it was wonderful meeting you too. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.